0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy.
1: And I'm Sydney McElroy. Uh, It's good to be back.
0: It is good to be back. It feels like forever since we've recorded a real live episode of this podcast.
1: Well, not live. Well, I mean, it's recorded live, I guess. It's live like SNL is live, sort of. SNL is live. What do you mean? Recorded live, like those musicals on Fox. Live to tape. Live yes. to tape. Live to tape.
0: Yes, this is live to tape. Um, we are not doing this live in your phone, I guess would be the, or like streaming over the internet, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think that's called streaming,
0: honey. Streaming. The people do not live in the phone. I don't know how everybody keeps getting that so confused. Anyway, this is a marital tour of Misguide Medicine. Uh, We are here with you after some live episodes and some absences. Uh,
1: I am sorry that we were gone. We did not want to be gone.
0: Yeah, it's just life, folks. Life finds a way. You know, it's like Jeff Goldblum (laughs) says, life finds a way to kick you in the pants every once in a while.
1: I don't think that's... not Uh, the quote. That is the
0: quote. I had the lunchbox. Do not try to test me, because you know I love my geek trivia. Bazinga. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do not try to test me.
1: I was always a more a bigger fan of the. All you thought about was if you could. You didn't stop to think if you should. That was you, always yeah That's yeah. like our whole. Sydney, sh- I, that's love, a good I love I love Bicentennial
0: Man as well. That's I celebrate <laughs> Rob Williams' entire canon.
1: No, that's but from. This is
0: about uh, you know, Sawbones and about Jurassic Medicine Park. Jurassic Park.
1: Okay. Anyway, Justin, a lot of people have written to us through the years now.
0: Yeah, gosh, years. just 13th. We just passed the six year anniversary.
1: And and they've asked about this topic and I, I don't know why we haven't covered it. And it just kind of struck me that we should talk about fevers because fevers are very common and they're, I think, still seen as scarier than they typically are. Like the fever itself, not necessarily what's causing it, but I, I still think people tend to get pretty anxious when they or a loved one has a fever, about the fever part of it, you know what I'm. Does that is that fair to say?
0: Right. Okay. I th- I feel like I understand what a fever is. Okay. And I'm gonna try to give you my best understanding of it. Okay. Okay. So imagine the that that your body is um sort of like a a like a a den of thieves. And um, murderers and bad people, right? And then your white blood cells are like renegade cops, right? Yeah. And the renegade cops are like, burn it down with them inside. And then they flick the cigarette at your body and then walk away. And they're like, I want to burn this place down Uh and kill all the germs or criminals in our case is my metaphor so like we're gonna burn this building down to just take out all the germs and it's gonna it, the building will be extremely uncomfortable and right. want to gatorade <laughs> but we are going to burn this building down to try to kill all the bad stuff
1: okay that you know i see where you're going with this it's not a bad analogy um it's questionable you are you are conflating both what a fever is and what why a fever occurs yes together and i and let's break those two down because what you said is true in a sense but there's there's some parts of it that are debatable is that fair to but you you, i mean like it was pretty good it's like a a c C. (laughs) maybe maybe a b minus
0: you know what i would have loved to be minus in science growing up so that i will take it
1: uh with pride so first of all what is a fever
0: I literally just t- very, don't no, wait for e- me no, to explain easily. to you. I literally what, just told what, you my understanding. When I
1: say fever, you think your temperature's up, yes, right? Like your that seems very. Up, basic. It makes your body hot. So there's a part of your brain called the hypothalamus. It's kind of at the base of the brain. Mm-hmm. And it's it has many jobs, but one of its jobs is to act as like your body's thermostat. Okay. Right? So it's going to regulate your temperature. And there are things called pyrogens, which are these little substances that float around in your bloodstream, and they can reach your hypothalamus and tell your hypothalamus, hey, turn the heat up. Let's make it hot in here. That's their job. And they, why would pyrogens do that? Well, they are triggered by different things. Um, The most common reason would be some sort of invader, a virus, a bacteria, a fungus, some sort of pathogen that will trigger the release of these pyrogens, which will then go to your brain and say, time to heat up. Crank it. We've got, we got bad guys, right? Okay. Uh, They can be produced by, from the body tissues for other reasons. That is not the only thing that triggers a fever. A fever doesn't always mean infection, although it often does. Um, But then your body generates more heat and you get all the symptoms associated with a fever, right? Like when you get a fever, you feel uncomfortable. You get Achy. achy, you get chills. It's like that paradoxical thing. You know, somebody has a fever when it's like a comfortable room and they're covered in eight blankets and right you can get the shakes we call them rigors that's those like really intense shakes that you can get chills um and uh and you feel really bad and sometimes you can act a little goofy Mm -hmm. you know you act a a little floaty yeah uh get tired um it children can get higher Fevers and can get faster fevers, so it can be really disturbing when a kid gets a fever because it it can seem to come out of nowhere
0: I fully can remember a night at like 2 a.m taking Charlie like a two-year-old Charlie like Opening the door to the porch Because she was so hot that Mm -hmm. we were just trying to do anything to cool her off
1: a little bit and here's the thing As we tell this story I am gonna tell you that I know I know in my doctor brain that that was unnecessary, and right. I my doctor brain at the time knew it was unnecessary. my My parent brain did could not hear anything from my doctor brain at the moment. My parent brain was screaming, "Ah, your child's so hot; her brain's gonna boil." That's not a thing, thing that happens. It's not a thing that
0: happens. But this is why you doctors don't treat their family. <laughs> this, this <laughs> exactly. Is, exactly. A case
1: study. So you you kind of alluded to the next part, which is why do you get a fever? Why, why, why would this, this happen?
0: Like what is the, in, what is the cause or what is the, we, what is the, yeah, what is the application of a fever? Why would
1: this, what is the application? What is the purpose of a fever? So partially to stimulate your immune response, there are different factors in your body that respond to that change in temperature uh, and to the pyrogens them, th- themselves to, and other factors that are released because of the temperature and all that. But the other part is that we think it is to make our body less hospitable for the invaders if because we know that heat can kill some viruses and bacteria, and so maybe if we're that was the that's the hypothesis right so if we if our body is heating up, it's in an attempt to kill these invaders now, this is still debatable though we're not a hundred percent sure that that's true because really? well, because in a lot of cases, you can heat somebody up and it won't kill an infection. you know if that were the case then a fever would kill off all the infections, right? Right. But they don't. And we know for specifically for things like bacterial infections, we often need antibiotics to help out. Sure. You know, because in the pre-antibiotic era,
0: we got we have lots of defense mechanisms that are busted, though. It doesn't (laughs) mean that it's like like what about the booger thing? Like, oh, I'll catch all the germs here with these little hairs. Nice try. You didn't get all of them. It didn't work. I still got sick. Nice try, Celia.
1: Well, and maybe that's more the answer. It's more of a it aids in the process. And it also was a lot. It was as helpful as as anything could get before we had better things right these dumb things weren't meant to last as long as we've made them last
0: these dumb <laughs> bodies they're doing their best but they're i mean well they are, what, they're not meant for a modern world that, and the that <laughs> we put them in
1: that's where our brains are helping out yeah. you know by making medicine yeah
0: i wish we could just tell our body like hey dum-dum you don't need to get so hot. You're not doing anything. <laughs> the scientist looked at it, and you didn't kill anything. It didn't work. Bad try. I'm
1: not saying that they I'm don't. So I'm so frustrated. Saying, I thought my
0: body was no. being all cool and
1: killing a bunch of germs, and you're telling me it's doing nothing. Just like, dad, help. Help, dad, send pills. Help. I'm not saying that it doesn't do anything. I'm not saying it doesn't help at all. I'm just saying that, I, obviously, a fever in and of itself is not going to cure right disease right. I mean that's it, that true. yes uh now what there was one interesting point I found as I was reading about like why do fever then if this isn't it because this really rocked my world because I always thought that too that was kind of honestly what I was told in med school but if that's not the reason for a fever what is one theory that I thought was really interesting is the idea that because a fever produces really obvious symptoms most people know when they're febrile, have a fever. Most mm-hmm. people feel it. Um, and it is something that another person can feel by, a simply, by simply putting their hand on you. Mm-hmm. You can feel that someone's hot. That doesn't always mean that you know they have a fever, but you can feel that they're hot. Because it is something that is so easy to recognize, it is a good way to communicate, this person is sick, stay away from them, isolate them from the community, they might have an mm. infection that is contagious. So from an evolutionary perspective, fevers are very useful because then, you know, you stay away from the person.
0: Is it possible that you're. Maybe it's partially also your body trying to get you to like chill out so it can fight infection? Like you don't feel like doing anything. So you're just going to like lay down. Just please stop doing a bunch of stuff so we can do our jobs down here?
1: Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't have any. I don't have any evidence that that's the reason well, No, Sydney, yeah, I'm
0: personifying like right. white blood cells to have intent. I'm saying that's true. Do you think it makes sense though?
1: I, I think that that's like
0: a, if it's your body's way of saying, "Like, hey, slow down a little bit. <laughs> Just take a break. You're not gonna grant me this because you make fun of me for resting when I'm sick, and you never rest when you're sick, and you don't want to. Li- you I don't never rest. Blame biology." <laughs>
1: I'm like the girl from the ring. I never sleep.
0: <laughs> Just that is the only way in which you're like the girl from the ring, and they're crawling backwards. But other than that, nothing like the girl from the ring.
1: One point I'd like to make briefly is that a fever is a temperature of 100.4 Fahrenheit or greater. 100.4 Fahrenheit or greater. That's 38 degrees Celsius. If that's your, if that's your jam, I'm going to uh,
0: imagine that the 38 came first, right? Yeah. Wait, because it's like.
1: I know it's such a nice round number, right? 38 38. as opposed
0: to to 100.4. 100.4 is like, it's tough. You don't have a, this took me so long. This is way after we got married before Mm -hmm. I finally learned that like. I just kind of, I guess I've always associated, like, if it's above 98.6, then you got a fever, basically, that that's a fever. Your body
1: temperature varies throughout the day. It is, uh, depending on the activities you've done, depending on the temperature of the room, the ambient temperature. I mean, if you're outside and it's really hot, if you've just had a meal, uh, it it can vary throughout, like, an ovulatory cycle in a person who has ovulatory cycles. I mean, like, there are a lot of different reasons that your temperature varies. Mm -hmm. So... If you have a temperature of 99, you do not have a "quote unquote" low-grade fever. Okay, Um, just just a little point there. 100.4 or greater. Now, in we have obviously been having fevers since ancient times, because yeah, as far as I know, humans have been having fevers as long as there have been humans. Uh, But if you look back to like ancient Greek and Roman writings, you don't see a lot of distinction between fever, the symptom, and the fever as in some sort of disease process. Because a lot of times a disease that was causing a fever within the community, something that would be like communicable, so like the flu going around, or or in a lot of these cases it was malaria, they would just say, "Uh uh-oh, it's the fever. Okay. because people got a fever and it's contagious and we don't really know what it is. And sometimes they'd say like the fever with a rash or the fever with, you know, the the red spots, the fever with the sore throat, the fever with the headache, like they'd kind of the fever with a cough. And all of these were probably correlated with different infectious diseases that we would now test for or diagnose clinically or whatever. But the fever and fever were used kind of interchangeably. So sometimes it's hard to tell what they're trying to like diagnose or treat, a fever or the fever. Okay. Um, they knew it was an elevated temperature, though, whether talking about a fever or the fever, either way, we're talking about something where you got hotter. The Greek word pyrexia, which is a word, their word for fever, pyrexia, mm. It tra- and the verb of it translates to I am on fire. <laughs> That's really
0: interesting. Uh, pyrex is a material used in a lot of uh, baking stuff. That is a uh, heat-proof glass,
1: Pyrex. It would be good for being on fire. Because yep. it wouldn't. Because it wouldn't. <laughs> because it wouldn't. Uh, Galen talks about a fever, saying that basically you have an excess of heat. And that was a lot of the early Greek writers and, and then the Roman writers talked about the idea that fever was this excess heat that had accumulated in the body that comes from the heart And then it's pumped out of the heart through the arteries and spreads throughout the body. And it was really seen as like a substance of sorts, like a whole other thing. There was this there was this stuff that was heat and it was flowing through your body. And then we could tell because you're hot. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, There were certain connections that were drawn, like Hippocrates talked about. If you have a lot of headaches or a lot of fevers that keep coming with headaches, uh, then you're probably going to (laughs) die. So I don't know exactly, maybe meningitis is what that was talking about. But, like, you could see writers connecting, like, this fever, not so big a deal. This fever, if you have this with it, I mean, we don't know what it is, but you're going to die.
0: I think you're probably going to die is one that people should have leaned on a lot more in ancient times. (laughs) Because if you think about it, (laughs) like, if you tell someone, like, oh, that's a bad fever, you're going to die. There's two outcomes. Like, one, they die, and then you're like, got got another one <laughs> I was right about I knew that I it. knew it called it or they come back and they're like hey I didn't die and you're like ah thank our multiple gods that is excellent news. <laughs> what, a, what a gift what a gift what a gift man Awesome. Awesome. So glad to be wrong on this one. Anyway, that'll be 60, 60 drachma.
1: That sounds like a good idea, but I could tell you in practice, I, that would, that is not something I would endorse. No. I, I can't imagine the fallout of me telling all my patients like, well, this is probably fatal. <laughs> no, I mean, just bye. Like, bye. Uh, just stop at the desk for your bill. <laughs> uh, so Galen went on all the work of his predecessors to to like take all that and break down fevers into three main types. So and this kind of got into like what they thought caused a fever because a fever was not necessarily seen as like just a symptom that can be connected to a multitude of diseases or processes. Right. Because that's what a fever is. A fever isn't caused by one thing. A fever is caused by lots of different things. Mm -hmm. It's a symptom. Uh, But. There, w- there was a thought that a fever was, an I- was a distinct thing in and of itself and that there could be certain types of them that occur independent of whatever might be going on in the body. So there were ephemeral fevers, which were like the no big deal fevers. And this is probably like a fever that was caught in connection with something like a cold, like a viral illness. And they would say, well, you have an ephemeral fever. I don't know what's going on with you, but it's going to go away pretty quickly and you should be fine. And that was probably right. Uh, There were also fevers that could be caused by uh, corruption of humors. Mm. So your humors, different ones, can become like putrid, and then they would cause fevers. And so you'd get different fevers linked to different humors, you know, becoming putrid, going bad, I wish there was a
0: thing you could click on for podcasts. I wish you could click on podcast audio so people could click whenever we started talking about humors and take them to five-minute diversion about how humours are a fake thing (laughs) that are not real. Like we're probably gonna address these as if they're a thing, but the humors are nothing. No,
1: the Greeks uh, and many many systems of medicine throughout history believe that there were four humors in the human body that you had to keep balanced in order to maintain health.
0: You know this is a long time. Black bile, yellow bile. Listener, but if you're new to the show you should know that humours are nothing.
1: This is not a thing. I mean we do have blood. We do have phlegm. We do have bio, but this is not what. Oh, okay. So three out of four. A bad. Well, the The humoral system making a comeback. The the name stayed. All of everything else was wrong. Mm. Uh, And then there were also hectic fevers, which were the worst, the most unpredictable, the most dangerous fevers. And all of these things, we could probably go back and look at descriptions and link each case to what was the likely, you know, was this smallpox, was this malaria, was this typhoid, what what was going on. We could Mm. probably do that now in retrospect um later avicenna would build on a lot of this work and correctly say listen um all this uh, humor stuff is wrong it, he identified infection is probably the main thing that's happening behind these fevers all of these uh, fever curves and everything this is nice like oh you have fever every third day fourth day whatever that's all cool but it's probably from an infection um as far as what people did about fevers well A lot of what was done is a lot of what we talk about when we get into humoral medicine, the humor Mm -hmm. system of medicine, which, again, is fake. Well, you just balance your humors with, you know letting some of one out or trying to put more of one in. So bloodletting, like leaching and cutting open a vein and bleeding people, very common. Emetics, things to make you puke, laxatives to make you poop, diuretics to make you pee. Uh, just something to get a humor out, depending on what type of fever, fever it was considered mm-hmm. would be the most common thing uh, target especially bleeding a person bleeding a person because blood was thought to be hot and so hot blood get the blood out get the blood out so bleeding was the most common now i always like to see what plenty the elder has to say about things gotta check with plenty our old buddy plenty always writes extensively about everything ever anywhere and there was a, uh, a roman goddess of fever febris and you could make offerings and create amulets in Febris's name to protect you from fever, and so as a result, Pliny documents a whole lot of things that you could do, um, because he says basically doctors can't do anything, so amulets are your best bet.
0: You want to? You're gonna want to go amulet. On wa- this. Yes. I'd love to help <laughs> you, but you are you should go with an amulet.
1: So so for so here's an example: the dust in which a hawk has bathed itself can be tied up in a linen cloth with a red string and attached to the body. So you could do that. Okay. Just find the dust in which a hawk has bathed.
0: Perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. easy. I, know, I know lots of hawks around.
1: Uh, you could take the longest tooth of a black dog, wear it as an amulet.
0: Best of luck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> One unhappy dog. Uh, you can also, the first wasp that you see in the current year. I'll never find that be, fool again. <laughs> <laughs> if you can catch it. I remember it was May 13th. You, you need I to catch him. it, though, with your left hand. And you can tie it below your chin. He had another one. I I assume you want it dead first, because that—I mean—it's a wasp, man.
0: uh, That plenty. You knew that one was was beat.
1: Cut off a viper's head, wrap it in a linen cloth. Uh, You could also take the viper's heart. I mean, you've already got the viper, right? You've already cut its head off. You might as well take its heart too. Um, Let's not do anything with it. (laughs) You could wrap that in a linen cloth, I guess. Uh, You can also take the tips of a mouse's ears. (laughs) <laughs> and wrap those. It's all a red cloth. The red cloth seems to be big. Yeah. Maybe just the red just cloth. Just
0: wrap anything in a red cloth.
1: These are all amulets you could you could create. Do you
0: think <laughs> I have a question for you, Sydney.
1: <laughs> he 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 does say to swallow a few things like the heart of a sea diver. Um so there are <laughs> the some what? things It's a kind of bird, right? Okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But that's yeah, yeah, it's kind of bird. I but, ate
0: Jacques <laughs> Cousteau's heart. I messed up. Oops, <laughs> my fever's gone, but I'm in jail.
1: Um you can uh, add some pepper. Do you think they had amulet? Oh,
0: it's so hard not to say amulet. Do you think that's her, what our child says. She's ruined pronunciation for us on many words, like amulet or. Reglier. Reglier. Okay. Do you think an amulet? Do you think they have
1: amulet rentals? Like, do you think they did amulet rental? I guarantee there are people who sold amulets. Not, not, not- sold. Oh, rent? Rental. Now that I don't know, but I guarantee they sold. Because you them. don't need them after you got better. Eh? Well, so like, it would fe- it would ward it off too. These would also ward off fevers. So a lot of. So,
0: am- I mean, I'm not going to wear all these amulets. An ounce of prevention is a- worth a pound of cure. Yeah, but thirty <laughs> amulets is a pound. So that's a, that's hanging around my neck now. I've got now I've got some lower back issues because I'm wearing all these ding dang amulets.
1: I'm just saying that once you've taken the time to cut the head off a of viper and and all that, like and, you're not going to want to get rid of that.
0: Yeah, but you're going to loan it to your friend Jared for <laughs> cash. I mean, maybe. Um, so I just think that they had a brisk amulet rental business
1: the, the, he does uh, advise some things you can take um, like prophylactic prophylactically uh, like swallows dung with some goats milk and raisin wine and do what with it Na- drink it okay And that's like a fever prevention. Also the skin of an asp. Prevention.
0: That's so wild (laughs) that I'm going to drink Swallows Dung because I don't want to get a fever. Hey, I don't care how little they understand about medicine. They have to know. That makes no sense.
1: You have to understand, though, fevers are still scary to people today. And they were a heck of a lot scarier back when a fever meant, well you might just die now we have no idea what's happening we have no idea how to fix it mm, good luck so it makes more sense in that context uh now justin oh, i've been talking about how to fix a fever but i want to talk about what a fever can fix okay let's do it but first ah. let's go to the billing department let's go
0: the medicines. High-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes, you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. We're going to get this. Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Uh, Sydney, you had teased uh, a little bit that you were going to tell me about what fevers can do. Right?
1: Yes. Okay. So because we have had this concept that fevers are intentional, our bodies attempt to kill an invading organism because Mm -hmm. we've had this idea for a long time. A lot of doctors and people who weren't really doctors but practice medicine throughout history, even from ancient times, have theorized that you could use a fever to fix disease. If Mm -hmm. you could make fevers happen, then you could cure diseases as well um, and this is called pyrotherapy it's using a fever to treat things Okay, I have found the quote well it's been paraphrased I don't know what the exact quote is supposed to be but basically it's if I could produce as well as treat intermittent fevers I would be the greatest physician of all time um, and it has been attributed to I found it in several different articles and in every one it said, as Hippocrates once said, as, as Discordies once said, as Borhoff once said, I don't know who said it. Okay, <laughs> Maybe all of them. But the idea that that the fever was so important that we just need to learn how to harness its power, the power of the fever, to treat disease is, is pretty pervasive. Um, Hippocrates was one of the first to propose that. Uh, if we could, he he observed a patient who had epilepsy greatly improve after a bout of malaria. Mm. And he was one of the first ones to say, man, if there was a way we could just do that.
0: Is that anything?
1: With epilepsy? Not that I'm aware of. No. Uh, Galen wrote about a case of melancholia, which was probably depression is what we probably would have said now. Melancholia is what they used to say. Um, That was greatly improved after they had some sort of illness that, included a fever. Um, There were uh, a lot of ideas about this, but nobody actually tried it until the 18th century. And that's when you first start to read some like case reports of uh, people with usually some sort of psychiatric illness. It was really focused on that. And, And so epilepsy cases were included as well because it used to be thought of as a psychiatric illness. Uh, But epilepsy and then different forms of like depression or anxiety or schizophrenia, Mm -hmm. bipolar disorder, those sorts of things were attempted to be treated by wrapping people in really warm blankets and Mm. elevating their temperatures or putting them in a really hot bath. There were some scattered... Reports of, like, actually infecting people with things, mm. like E. coli was used in one case. Oh, my gosh. Like, give someone E. coli so that they get a fever in response to that to try to cure what whatever illness they had. But nobody was really doing it routinely okay. or in any sort of, like, controlled scientific Experimental. Just way. getting into the world. Yeah. Just like, I don't know, I read about this. Hippocrates or Borhov, maybe somebody said it. So this was before we invented science. So, <laughs> so in the twentieth century is when we really start to see uh, people trying out pyrotherapy for real. And this can mainly be credited to an Austrian psychiatrist, uh, Julius Wagner von Jorig who uh, in nineteen seventeen It's quite a name. Yes, announced the discovery of malaria fever therapy uh, as as a cure specifically for what was called the general paralysis of the insane GPI is what they called it. But what this really was, was late stage syphilis, okay. tertiary syphilis, um, because late, late stages of syphilis, the little spirochetes, the little the little bugs get in the brain and you can begin to manifest psychiatric symptoms and neurological symptoms and things like that. But, of course, at this point in history, nobody really knew that it was late-stage syphilis. Uh, There was a lot of debate about how to treat it because no one knew what caused it. And so it really fell to psychiatrists to manage it, even though, as we would eventually discover, I think it was around 1913, that syphilis was the cause. And this was actually an infectious disease. It needed to be treated as opposed to a psychiatric illness that was managed differently. Um, so your uh, egg was one of the, was a psychiatrist. And so he was interested in, in ways to treat GPI in, in new you know, methods since nothing so far had been very effective. Um, and he observed that one of his patients, uh, Hilda, who was, uh, Inpatient at the at the hospital in the psychiatric unit uh, recovered after an attack of erysipelas. So some so a strep infection. The patient had a strep infection, had high fevers, got better, and he also noticed that a lot of the psychiatric symptoms that she was manifesting also improved hmm. after she recovered from her fever. And so his theory was, well, the heat of the fever must have killed whatever was causing this uh, so he he decided the best way to mimic this is to give patients the same thing that the patient had that the hilda had in order to treat their gpi so that was the first thing he tried he actually gave patients water that had strep bacteria streptococcal bacteria in it similar to what would cause strep throat he, he basically gave patients strep throat
0: and I'm I'm going to go ahead and assume that was terrifically effective, and that is why we still give ourselves strep throat all the time to this day. Whenever we catch a stray syphilis,
1: uh, no, it was it was not it was not particularly effective, except I guess it giving people strep throat. It was probably <laughs> it was probably effective if that was your. You want a couple days off
0: uh, school? You want to miss a field trip? <laughs> you want a good excuse to eat some dreamsicles? He's got you.
1: So he. So he tried that. That didn't work very well. So then he tried tuberculin. uh, And tuberculin is, it's derived from tuberculosis, uh, from the toxin. And it it actually is like used to make the vaccine against tuberculosis, which we don't use in the U.S., but they use other places. And um, there was a lot of research being done on tuberculin at the time and a lot of thought that it could be used in good other good medical applications.
0: Tuberculin sounds like the worst artificial sweetener of all time. <laughs> now made with tuberculin. <laughs> You'll never know the difference. If you see that, don't get don't buy that. Don't buy anything with don't tuberculin, folks. Uh, yes, it's delicious. <laughs> yes, we know.
1: So he so he started treating patients with tuberculin and actually published a series of papers based on this uh, indicating some success. That that he did notice some improvement in his patients with GPI, which as as we're doing these different studies, um, these occur over the course of many years, by the way, like his first idea that fever therapy could be used for GPI is. Uh, He he doesn't do anything with it for like five or six years. And then he Hmm. starts doing some of these studies and he stops for a while when they don't work very well. And then he tries them again. So this whole course takes place over many years. And during the course of all these different studies is when they actually figure out that syphilis is the cause of GPI. They still don't know how to treat it. Right. But they but he they have by now figured out that syphilis is the cause. Um, But so he's using the tuberculin. He's doing the fevers. And some of his patients seem to be recovering from the syphilis, the tertiary syphilis, the GPI. He even wrote that one of the patients that he treated with tuberculin the next day, uh, her family came to visit her and her sister came up to him and said, what have you done with my sister? She has suddenly become intelligent. This
0: is a sister burn if I've ever heard one. That's a, that's very sisterly. probably like just within earshot of it. <laughs> just like, just barely within hearing range.
1: She was like, hey, hey, did you say that about me? Come on. That was mean.
0: No, you must have misheard.
1: I didn't say anything it was just the syphilis it's the syphilis <laughs> uh, <laughs> so but the problem was even though he was having some some success with this tuberculin or, or so his research indicated the, there was a lot of argument in the medical community at this time as to the toxicity of tuberculin, and there were a lot of people saying that it could do things it couldn't do, and a lot of people who were so concerned that we should just stay away from it altogether. So it was kind of a controversial thing to be using and not and he, he really didn't want to be associated with all of that. Okay. Argument at that moment. He wants to
0: live in peace and give people
1: <laughs> fevers. <laughs> malaria. He just he just wants to, hey, we're not there yet. He's not giving them malaria yet. Oh, right, okay. He just wants to give them fevers. Uh, and he also wasn't completely satisfied with the results because a lot of his patients would relapse later. So they would seem to get better for a while, but then they would revert to the symptoms of tertiary syphilis again. And so he started looking for other sources of infection to cause the fever. Other ways that he could trigger a fever in a patient. And it was around this time that a, a mass, a soldier who had been at the Macedonian front came and was admitted to the hospital for some injuries. And he also happened to have malaria. And Yoreg noticed this. And before he could be treated, he, he kind of told the, the other doctors, like, wait, no, 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 don't treat his Hold malaria on. just yet.
0: Let me get at him real quick.
1: Let me let me get at that malaria blood. I need I need some of that malaria blood. So he went and he took a sample of the soldier's blood uh, and he injected it into several of his patients who had the GPI, who had the tertiary syphilis. Um, And then after he did that, he got worried. (laughs) Why? Why? For, for the obvious <laughs> reasons, you mean? What did I do? Not for the obvious reasons. Although, I mean, he may have... History does not say whether or not he was worried about that. But we do know that he was worried that perhaps he could cause an outbreak of malaria if there was an Anopheles mosquito hanging around. Because that's the way malaria is spread. You have, It's mosquito spreads it person to person, right. not directly from person to person. And
0: then people he didn't want to definitely give malaria too might get malaria
1: <laughs> and then and then everybody would be like your egg you gave everybody malaria hey, all our syphilis is great though <laughs> but now we have malaria <laughs> Dang. <laughs> so he started to get worried about that so he went and he got one of his other patients is what is it, this is the what's documented he got another one of his patients and said hey I want you to go outside and catch as many bugs as you can just whatever bugs just catch some bugs and bring them back to me you know, it's okay if they're dead. I just need to see them.
0: A patient was being treated for terminal gullibility, so it's very <laughs> sad that it would be misused in this way.
1: So the patient went outside and caught a bunch of bugs, brought them back to to Doctor Ureig and uh, and gave them to him, and he examined them all and decided none of these are the Anopheles mosquito, which is the mosquito that has you have to have that mosquito to get the c- carry the malaria. So he said none of these are the Anopheles mosquito, so we're good. The Science. small sample Science. that my patient has captured of bugs. <laughs> I picture this in the middle of the night, like. <laughs> This poor guy running around catching bugs. Yeah. Anyway, so he was happy they weren't, and so he wasn't going to cause an outbreak of malaria. So he he exa- he followed the patients that he treated, and he found that several of them seemed to get better. Hmm. The syphilis symptoms seemed to resolve or at least improve greatly. Uh, and so, based on these results, he continued these experiments, and and he and he published a whole series of cases. Every time he'd get more patients in, he had to have somebody nearby who had malaria. <laughs> Right, and have access to a malaria patient, which wasn't terribly hard at the time. But he would go get blood from someone who had malaria, and he would then inject it into the new patients he had. And uh, and what he found at the end of it all, with all the different cases, because he treated many patients this way, is that uh, it offered about a thirty percent chance of complete remission. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, A lot of patients still did relapse. Some of them never improved completely, and unfortunately. Also, about 30% died of malaria. Malaria, right, because yes. it's so bad. Yes, because malaria, especially, there wasn't always control for which type of malaria, and sometimes they'd get it wrong. They thought a patient had one type, and they really had a different type of malaria, and some of them are, are more aggressive than others or more fatal. You just want to give them the chill malaria, <laughs> and they have that really bad stuff. They just want the fun malaria, fun, and it good was malaria. the serious malaria.
0: Like when you need to get out of a field <laughs> trip, or you want to see dreamsicles—that malaria. So he, uh,
1: so he continued to do these these treatments, and as he published results, it became uh, so interesting to the rest of the medical community that a lot of other people started following suit and and they tried other types of fevers. They uh, tried something called rat bite fever. There was a, an African relapsing fever, all kinds of things that we probably would identify by different names today. But basically, let's, let's give our patients something to make them sick and then get a fever and then maybe it'll cure their tertiary syphilis. Um, in some places, instead of giving them inoculations of blood from other patients they would actually like get mosquitoes that carried malaria and like capture them and just put them on the patient like put like a little cup or something over it so it Ugh. had to sit on your arm until it how unpleasant bit you
0: how unpleasant well, it's, it's it's also kind of exploitative for the mosquito right yeah. well you want me to just perform on command <laughs> i'm not a robot i eat when i'm hungry Maybe in a little while I'll bite this dude, but give me a sec.
1: You know, they've done this. I may have mentioned this in our malaria episode, but they've done this in places to look at like the density of like mosquitoes in an area. Like they'll have people just sit out and get bitten count how many mosquito bites they get so, in a period of time. I
0: mean it's nice work if you can get it but
1: <laughs> uh, I love science uh, but anyway for all of this work and, and all the people who followed in his footsteps he uh, he won the Nobel Prize for Medicine for the discovery of malaria therapy for tertiary syphilis in 1927. Nice congratulations. Um, and this buddy. was this was used for quite a while. Eventually they, they started creating something called fever machines That's a good that's
0: gotta be a bad name right?
1: I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good bet, name.
0: Definitely. Definitely. I'm a Spotify.
1: It's a, it's a good name. But they started creating these fever machines or fever cabinets. Um, and they use this technology based on ultrasounds to like heat up these big. They look kind of like iron lungs. It's like a big thing you lay in, like your head sticks out, and then they, get, they make you really hot. They induce a temperature of like 104 and or 105. They, they want to get you really hot, That's like a really hot. serious fever um, to, to treat. At the time, it could be any kind of infection. Like it was tertiary syphilis, but they tried it for other infections that were resistant to any other treatment. Um, they tried it for cancer. Uh, when we could diagnose but had no idea what to do with cancer, they started using this kind of treatment for cancer. Um, you can find a lot of cool pictures of this online if you're interested. I would recommend Google. Cool. It is. Would they, everybody
0: think they're cool, Sid, or do you think they're cool?
1: I, I Everybody would think they're cool. They also do this in that show The Nick that used to be oh, on. Oh, yeah, yeah, They They cure a case of tertiary syphilis. John Hodgman's The Nick. Yes. As, I, as I like Hodgman's to think the of the it. <laughs> they cure a case of syphilis. With a fever cap, and I remember thinking like, "No way!" But you know, the thing is, there's enough data to say there may have been some people who went into remission from this from this therapy, um, from heating people up. Hmm. Uh, it is possible that this did work somewhat sometimes. Um, obviously, it wasn't an ideal treatment uh, and fell out of favor for multiple reasons. And this was used, I should say, this was used standardly until like the 50s. But of course, antibiotics came around in the '40s, and that would that would be the death knell for a lot of um, interesting but ineffective treatments yeah, for infections. Sadly, so uh, with the rise of antibiotics, we had a much safer, boring old antibiotics. <laughs> much safer, much more effective treatment for syphilis. Um, you know, also we you know consider giving patients infectious diseases intentionally. Um, Unethical, Bad. So we would not give a patient malaria today. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's an interesting conversation because he did, I mean, his justification is what a lot of bad science is based on. Well, we don't have anything else and you're going to die of this. So I might as well try this. Mm-hmm. And that's not, I mean, that's unethical. There's a reason we don't, we don't do that. That's not good enough for IRB approval. Yeah. You know, you got, you got to do better. You can't just say, well, we don't have anything else to try it. Um but this came out of the heroic era of medicine. so When everything
0: was a little higgledy-piggledy.
1: When it was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm a doctor, so let's go. Look at this cool mirror on my head. <laughs> Come on. I'm going to give you malaria now. <laughs> so obviously we don't do this anymore. Um, it, there is some interest in like the concept of elevating the body temperature to help... Um, alongside other treatments for infections or for cancer. I saw that there's some of that research that's been done, but none of this is like standard right now. So if anybody's offering you fever therapy for your cancer or fever therapy for an infection, I, I would raise an eyebrow at that. That's yeah. not real. Because, I mean, this is all just an interesting area of research, and it would all be used in conjunction with real medicine, real medicine antibiotics or chemotherapy or whatever. These these are the ways in which this research is, is being done. But nobody is advocating to give people malaria or any other infection. Um, Please don't do that. Uh, But generally speaking, fever, I think this is one important point to make about fever. It has been scary throughout history because a lot of times people got fevers and died and we had no idea why. And there was nothing we could do, Mm -hmm. right? We have many, many treatments now. I still think fevers are kind of scary, Um,
0: especially if you're a parent
1: yes especially in kids they can be they can make you feel really helpless and it can be really scary but it is important to know that the fever in and of itself is generally harmless Mm -hmm. to your body Um, obviously very high temperatures or sustained fevers you know if you're getting temperatures up over 103 i i would be concerned about that Um, there are things like febrile seizures like a seizure associated with a fever that usually happen in children and they can be quite Upsetting, Although generally they are harmless. They can be very scary. Um, and things like that I would get evaluated for, of course. <laughs> I and mean, yes. you're going to anyway. Yes. Um, but fevers that you don't know where they're coming from or whatever. But, but a lot of the time this idea, I see a lot of people like, we've got to get you on this cycle of Tylenol and then ibuprofen and Tylenol and then ibuprofen. And then ice you down and do a cold bath and um, all this stuff to like fight a fever. And we've been those parents. You really don't have to do that the vast majority of the time. treating a fever can make you feel better, and that's worthwhile. I'm not saying it's not, but but you don't have to you don't have to don't it's have to. most of the time it's not it's not necessary it's gonna it, it's you need to address the underlying cause, and once the underlying cause is either being treated or in a lot of things like the common cold allowed to run its course. Mm-hmm you don't necessarily have to do anything about the fever. So, so I think that that's, that's useful to remember. Um, uh,
0: folks, thank you so much for listening to our program to play us out uh, this week from their 2011 album, uh, Living in Oblivion. This is The Fever Machine. So sadly, the band name is taken heartbreakingly. Um, we want to thank the Maximum Fun Network for having us as a. This is pretty intense for our show, actually. I'm gonna turn it down, but <laughs> Thank the Maximum Fun Network for having us as part of their extended podcasting family. Thank you to uh, the taxpayers for the use of their song "Medicines" is the intro and outro of our program. And uh, thank you to, oh, 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 I wanted to mention before I thank anybody else. I want to thank you in advance for heading over to McElroyMerch.com and checking out our new uh, Sawbones Caduceus pin. Uh, It's kind of based on our logo. And it's neat if you wanted to pick one of those up. That's new this month. uh, So go check that totally out. There's a couple other pins and some other Sawbones stuff there, too. And um, I don't think we gotta plug anything else this week, Sid. We got a book, the Solomon's book. It's on Amazon or bookstores. You can go buy it if you would be so kind. But that is gonna do it for us, I believe. So until next week, uh, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm
1: Sydney McElroy. As
0: always, don't drill a hole in your head. Comedy and culture.
1: Artist owned.
0: Audience supported.
1: I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And together, we host a podcast called Still Buffering, where we answer questions like... Why should I not fall asleep first at a slumber party? How do I be fleet? Is it okay to break up with someone using emojis? And sometimes we talk about but No, we don't. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, A Sister's Guide to Teens Through the Ages. I am a teenager. And and I was was two. two. Butts, 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 butts.
0: No.